Hi, welcome to 25 Minutes of Unfinished Business with me, Alex Brayshaw. I'm here with my guests to celebrate incredible creativity and innovation in businesses across the country and beyond, and to see what we can learn from the people behind them. Their determination to succeed, their ability to keep pushing when sometimes the odds just seem stacked against you, and of course to hear what comes next for them. I've worked with hundreds of businesses of all shapes and sizes over the last 20 years, and I just don't think they get the credit they deserve. So that's why we're here. It's time for some unfinished business. Where do I start with my first guest? Described as the Scott who helped turn a Peter Thiel-backed startup into a $7 billion business. That's a pretty good place to start, isn't it? As UK founder of Zero, he successfully built a customer base of 850,000 small business subscribers. He gained huge market share against established players, while continuing to put all his efforts into providing the best experience for their customers something that Zero is still renowned for today. He now advises, guides and invests in early stage tech in both the UK and internationally. Suffice to say, he's a huge fan of tech and the tech industry. And today, he's spending 25 minutes with me talking about some unfinished business. Having first met him 20 or so years ago, I am hugely honoured to have Gary Turner as my first guest. Gary, welcome. Thank you, Alex, and the owner is all mine. Thank you for inviting me to be your first ever guest. Excellent. Let's see where we go with this conversation. So, as you heard in the intro, this is a celebration of great businesses. Now, I guess you've worked with hundreds, probably thousands of businesses uh, in the businesses you've been in, so there must be a few that really stood out for you. Goodness, Alex, uh, we only have 25 minutes, <laughs> and, and so I probably... Uh, could fill that many times over with with anecdotes and stories. There was one really great standout story for me that uh, I first got to meet uh, a chap called John Stone, who uh, was a founder and entrepreneur, ran his own tire repair and, and tire fitting business up in St. Helens in the Northwest, Stone Tires. I'd been in business for a number of years. And of course, and this will date this anecdote, three years ago, the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic started. And of course, that meant pretty much every single business in the country had to shut their doors. And that presented clearly a problem for many, but, it, but Stone Tires definitely, they couldn't service the customers um, in their depot any longer. And John Stone told this fantastic story where he was trying to work out how do I keep going? How do I um, keep the lights on and keep the business running during this lockdown and serve my customers? I mean, people still needed tires um, serviced and repaired. And John said they had they had one of these vans that they had in the depot that was hardly ever used. And it was only ever used as a kind of premium service if you'd broken down or had a puncture on the M6 and you were driving by St. Helens and you found stone tires, then they would kind of stop what they were doing in the depot. Somebody would jump in the van and drive out to the motorway and repair your tire and you'd be on your way. And that was a kind of really seldom used sideline inside of, of stone tires. But it then occurred to John Stone mm. that, that, that the lockdown meant that that was possibly the only way they could service their customers' needs. Rather than customers coming to the depot, they, they would then jump in the van and go and visit the customer at their, at their home and replace their tires or fix their tires there. And so the, it took that, that, that forcing function of the pandemic lockdown for Stone Tires to reimagine and reevaluate how they could keep the business running. And in doing so, 
it really opened John Stone's eyes to the fact that maybe they should be doing that as a as a mainstream business rather than it being a sideline to their depot. Um, and through uh, serving their customers with that mobile service, he then effectively started a, a, a whole new side business called Gorilla Tires, which is up in St. Helens. And they now have a fleet of vans doing mobile tire fitting and tire repairs. Now, I wonder if John Stone would have got there eventually. I mean, the idea of mobile tire servicing is not new, but how many businesses like Stone Tires have maybe one or two other businesses inside the traditional one that they're running, then they haven't even evaluated whether that's feasible or not. And so I love those survival stories, those businesses that pivoted during the pandemic. And um, yeah, I could, I could talk all day about so many different anecdotes. That's, that's a fantastic story. Maybe we, we would do the uh, the long form version of this at some point, but I think that's a great story in it. And it demonstrates the, the agility of people when faced with these things to, to kind of change the model, to change kind of how they approach their business, as you say, without strategizing around it. It's like, well, how, how can we kind of survive? What, what are we going to do? And I, I guess I'm interested then in John, you know, what his what what do you see as a common trait amongst the people that do this? And as you say, you've seen lots of people kind of have to pivot, have to kind of deal with these these challenges. Um, what is it you see as the character traits, the thing that the thing that drives them? I think um, whether it's John Stone or whether it's any anybody that I've observed or worked with, I think one of the the, the most common themes that comes up over and over again is it, it, well, it's two. There's there's passion and purpose. I mean, fundamentally, if you have a purpose, what's driving you, and 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 the the passion that you have for that, um, and because running a business is tough, it's incredibly tough, whether you're in a pandemic or not, and the the ability that um, I've observed in people to overcome whatever challenges come their way. It's invariably for me being those that have have a passion for what they're doing, and 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 that passion is 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 kind of irrational. Um, it's not necessarily logical when you're challenged with with a major problem or issue that develops inside of your business. That passion I've seen enables people to overcome that. Uh, where people without any passion, the minute at the first sign of resistance, you'll give up because that's a perfectly rational and logical thing to do. But I think it's passion. I think that's the common theme or the common denominator I've seen in entrepreneurs when uh, when they've been successful. Without passion, you're not going to get there. Yeah, indeed. And I guess having the goal in mind, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve? What, what is it you're trying to aim for? I suppose would um, would those businesses... Well, the business you've talked about and the others you've met, would they consider themselves entrepreneurs or consider themselves, you know, unique in any way in what they've done? Or do you just think they just they just get on and do it? Or is it just, you know, I think we look at it and spotlight it and celebrate it and go, oh, you're an entrepreneur. But is it more just intuitive than that? I think there's a showbiz um, veneer that, that's projected and can broadcast in mainstream media and, and programs like The Apprentice and Dragon's Den and that entrepreneurs have to have this kind of um, special entrepreneur secret sauce. Mm. And uh, being an entrepreneur is, is, is incredibly complicated and you have to be quite a sophisticated thinker and you have to, to, to be agile and you have to have great ideas and you have to have the ability to raise capital. When in fact, I, I think most businesses in my experience are run by uh, accidental entrepreneurs 
they, mm. they didn't ha have an idea to become an entrepreneur in, in, in capital letters. They were working in a business. They were made redundant. They were sitting at the kitchen table with a calculator and a sheet of paper and a pencil trying to work out how to make ends meet and, and keep keep their, their family fed and keep the mortgage payments going through. And, and this necessity that I think so many entrepreneurs um, have had as their driving force to get into business in the first place, I think therefore means that most businesses, there are nearly 6 million businesses in the UK. Um, and to put that into some kind of context, the, the kind of mind-blowing thing about that statistic is 98% of them, according to government statistics, are what you'd call small and medium-sized enterprises. And the mm -hmm. cutoff point between being an SME, sm small or medium-sized enterprise, and a large business is about 250 employees, okay? So the first mind-blowing kind of data point is that out of the 6 million businesses in the UK, the number of businesses that employ more than 250 is about 8,000, okay? So large businesses are a tiny minority in terms of the overall makeup of the uh, of the uh, business population. Now, large businesses contribute about half of the UK's GDP, but that therefore means that the other half comes from the 5.999 million uh, SMEs, and the vast majority of them are... Yeah, I think small. it's about two and a half trillion, isn't it? Absolutely. They're, they're, they're either solo entrepreneurs or self-employed um, in their own right, or they're working with their spouse, or or, they, or typically if they're employing anyone, they're certainly employing fewer than 10. And, and those vast, vast ranks of the UK's business population... I think people are driven potentially by accident into setting up and running their own business. And before they know it, they've, they've, they've done some consulting work. They've, given, they've, they've set up some self-employed consulting business just to kind of keep themselves going. And before you know it, they're hiring somebody. And before you know it, they're actually building their business. And, and um, while they might be accidentally uh, entrepreneurs or self-employed, then I think they're still all driven by passion and purpose. Now, the purpose might be, I've got to put food on the table, but the passion will be something that really drives them. For, for me, my, my passion was growing up in a small family business. Again, and a, another incredibly common theme I hear is that, that people that run their own business have typically reflected on growing up in and around a, a family business that's really informed them. And, and giving them a real sense of purpose and passion. And that was certainly my experience as well. And as a, as a tech guy, um, how do you think technology has helped these businesses? I'm, I'm thinking about your example again, because, you know, even changing the model, you know, you're, you know, I know some of these smaller businesses, they were having to learn about e-commerce, having to learn about, you know, things that they didn't, you know, really want to or have to do previously. But as technology, it's obviously helped but how much of a challenge has that been, do you think? And I guess, you know, how much support do these businesses get? I mean, it's such a massive, you know, it's two trillion plus a contribution to the UK economy. We need these businesses to be doing doing business and, and generating revenue and all the things they do. But did they get did they get the support? Do they um, does tech help them and how do they kind of get ahead around that? I think it's changed a lot in the last 
maybe 15 years, probably probably around the, the time of the emergence of the iPhone, um, which was a huge step up in, in the way that people use technology. And I'm old enough to remember when, what, 30 years ago, technology required a degree of um, computer literacy. You know, you would go to college or you would read books in order to become computer literate just to use the things. And and what's fascinating for me is if that's the way the world was 30 years ago and tech was unapproachable and you had to invest in learning and, and skills just to use them and become computer literate, I think, I think technology has become human literate. I think the accommodations have now been made by the tech that means that as a user, you don't have to invest effort in learning all of these cryptic rituals that you needed to use 20 years ago just to fire these things up. I remember like in MS-DOS, you'd, you'd like, have you got enough memory set aside and you'd edit your autoexec.bat and your config.sys and your drivers and all of these things that are completely ridiculous to, to have to know just to, to, to use a computer or to use software. And I love the way that tech has got rid of that dimension and a technology with things like the iPhone, with touch interfaces, with the way that software is built now, is human literate. It's gone the other way. And therefore, the challenges are, I don't think, are technical or technological. I think the challenges are down to your imagination and your understanding of your business and where you could take it, which I think is great because that should hopefully, hopefully liberate that opportunity for many more entrepreneurs and business owners to think about redesigning how their business works or, or, or unlocking new ways of growing and tech will just be there and support you. Absolutely. I keep thinking about, you know, mobile payments. You know, imagine trying to set that up 10 years ago, whereas you can do it in five minutes, you set the accounts up, set the payments up and suddenly, you know, for the tire example, you're out taking, you know, billing customers on the spot and it's, it's easy, um, which is a hell of a shift. Absolutely. And, and we're living in this, what I think, and this sounds very grand, but, but my hunch, having been in the industry for as long as I have, and, and I kind of a degree of pattern recognition of what a big shift looks like, I think we're now beginning to enter into another huge shift with AI and the, the huge amount of attention that new services like ChatGPT are getting. Um, and, and I think that that will we'll open it up even more for businesses. And the, and the challenge there isn't using the computer or using the technology and firing it up. The challenge absolutely is your imagination there. And with new tools such as ChatGPT and AI, large language um, systems, um, but you, it is your imagination as an entrepreneur. It's no longer the tech. So I guess there's a long way to go in what technology is going to give us. So I think that sort of takes us on to um, the big question, really, for you. Um, we've all got unfinished business, you know, whether it's life or work, there's stuff we want to do, continue to do. What's yours? I think my unfinished business, I think I have two, two answers to that question. One of them is what it means, what it means to me personally as an individual. And, and one of my survival skills in tech. And tech is one of the um, hardest industries to, to remain relevant in because it changes so much. Nothing is out of date sooner than a book on tech in the, in the bookshop. Literally within six months are out of date. And, and, and living and working in tech as I have for the last 30 years 
has taught me that um, nothing changes more quickly and often more brutally than the technology business. And there's great examples of businesses like Nokia or BlackBerry in the mobile phone space that are, are, are great cautionary tales there for how quickly and brutally it can change. For, for, for me, the reason I'm still in it and still excited and I think I still have unfinished business is because I've always um, been curious about what comes next and what, what can tech do for us. And the magic that um, I see in tech and I've always seen has, is something that still is still with me today. And I think what one of my survival skills in, in, in my career, therefore, has been constantly looking down the, tr down the road, um, trying to see around the corners, what's coming next. It might be amazing today, the systems and the technology and the platforms that we're using may be the best we've ever used, but that won't last very long. Um, and, and constantly relearning and, and being open to throwing away old ways of thinking and old best practices that I've learned in my career I think has, has been a, a survival skill for me. And so I think the unfinished business is nothing is ever finished. Um, and particularly in tech. And, and I'm really driven and inspired by that. The, the other side of it is uh, I'm, I'm amazed by technology. I'm, a, I'm as amazed today as I was 30, 40 years ago as a kid writing my first ever computer programs on a home computer and my TV and my parents' home um, and, and the, the magic of software, the magic of creating something and seeing that play out on a TV screen in the 1980s has always been uh, something I've been passionate about. Um, and there's this great quotation from uh, Arthur C. Clarke. And if I remember it correctly, it was something like if any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable for, from magic. Maybe 30, 40 years ago, the first home computers and the first IBM PCs wouldn't have been magical for everybody. They certainly were for me. I think using a large language model like ChatGPT right now and some of the new AI services, that is magical. And the potential that that has is definitely unfinished business for me. It's a bit like, you know, it's one of those scenes in the Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, or one of the movies in, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy where you know, the, the group enter into this underground kind of cavern and they open a door and all of a sudden their voices start to echo and everything's in complete darkness and they put the lights on and they discover that they've just opened the door into this massive cavernous chamber underground that goes for as far as the eye can see. And, and for me, that kind of feels like technology right now. We've opened the door into another huge chamber um, and the unfinished business for me is exploring that and what can that do for business? What can that do for individuals? And that's the stuff that, that gets me really excited. I was just thinking, if there's a piece of advice that you would give those businesses who are trying to do new things, to innovate, maybe just to you know try and take their business on to the next level, is there something that stands out as, a, as that you would really say to them, this is what to focus on? Great question. I think... Um, the thing about running a business, uh, which is uh, inevitable, I think, for most businesses, is that it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day operational issues and the routine. 
and just running the business, serving your customers, looking after your people, building your brand and everything else. And that takes up so much of your time um, that you lose sight of the objective um, opportunity that you have in your business. Um, there's this great saying is like spending too much time in the business rather than on the business. And I think that's such a common theme for so many entrepreneurs and business owners is that they get so wrapped up and sucked into the day-to-day demands that the business places on them as they don't take time to step back and hit pause and look at where they are and invest in their own learning as an individual or, or business owner or see where the new market opportunities are or see where they can pivot. And, and I know that any time uh, in my career, when I took time to like, hit pause, step back, go and hang out with some customers, I mean, one, one of the things that I, I always failed at was the, getting that balance right between spending enough time in front of my customers and understanding what's happening in my customer's reality because I was so busy in my own business reality. And so my simple advice to anybody, whether you're running a tire repair business or a technology company, stop what you're doing, hit pause, disappear for a couple of days and, and, and read a couple of books, read some articles, find out what else is happening in your industry or in adjacent industries and go and hang out with your customers. Um, so many businesses become the be all and end all and they forget that they're there to serve the customer need and they see everything through the lens of their own profit and loss and their own balance sheet and their own business. And it's easy to lose connection with that customer perspective. And anytime I was able to kind of reset that balance, I always came back from hanging out with customers with 10 new ideas or insights I didn't have. And I think it's such a, a vital skill for all business owners and business leaders. I think that's absolutely sound advice. Brilliant advice. Thank you, Gary. So we're actually out of time. Thank you, Gary, for being an incredible first guest. I massively enjoyed our discussion. I think you're right. We could have gone on for a couple of hours probably um, if we let ourselves. Um, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and you've definitely set the bar for the way this, uh, this show is going to go, I hope. Thank you, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're wondering what my unfinished business is, well, it's this show. Finding great people to celebrate great business with. And if you'd like to join me or know somebody who would, then please do get in touch. I've got some really good guests coming up, but as always, I'm looking for more. So until next time, thank you.